Hi, everybody, and welcome back to BXB. Bronx Baseball is the Yankees podcast from Odyssey and WFAN, along with my co-host, Keith McPherson. I'm Sweeney Murdy. We're coming to you the morning after the Yankees named their newest captain. Kind of a foregone conclusion. The Yankees officially uh, re-signed Aaron Judge, announced his nine-year $360 million contract, and along with it came the title of captain. Derek Jeter showed up for the occasion, and Keith, it was uh, it was all kind of ceremonial, and you know, given the Carlos Correa news, and we'll talk about that a little bit too later on, uh, two weeks after the fact, it, it, it moved, it wasn't quite newsy, but you knew you had to be there, it was a big event, it was a big event for the Yankees, because Aaron Judge is the face of them, and he's now here to stay. Yeah, it was cool to watch. Uh, I love anytime you see Jason Zillow come together in that room with the media and the Yankees and their presentation. It makes you be like a proud Yankees fan. We've seen this multiple times, and here we are again to name Aaron Judge the 16th captain. Jeter is back in the Bronx. I think I count four times that he was back back in the Bronx <laughs> this year. Uh, there might have been more that I don't know of. So that's good. Willie Randolph is there, and yeah, it was a ceremony. Uh, I enjoyed watching um, Judge kind of, you know, peel back uh, some of the layers and, and you know, pull back the curtain a bit about like, you know, different things he was asked. And I'm sure we can we can go through them. Um, but I, I just was glad to see Judge smile um, in his Yankee jersey with Boone and Cash and Hal and uh, them to kind of go over how this all kind of happened. And, yeah, it was, it was a good day. You know, I, I, I thought it's funny, too, because um... – Judge was asked at one point if it was pretty much the Yankees the whole way, basically was the question. And um, it, it seemed like it was a foregone conclusion, right? But he did allow that, you know, as much as this is where he wanted to be, like it, it wasn't that easy. And, and I and I got a chance to ask him later. I said, what did you need Hal to tell you? Because he had those multiple conversations with him. What did you need to hear? And he needed to hear that he was wanted, that he was needed. And it was kind of funny because, Keith, we've talked about this. Like, when you have your own free agent, you don't need to court him and sh- and show him what the city is about and what the team is about. He's been here. He knows all that. But you still have to kind of show him some love and make him feel like you you want him to be here because that's what the other teams are doing. That's what the Giants are doing. That's what the Padres tried to do. And there's that little pull, right? And there's a pull of going home where he grew up. So while that was happening for the other teams, the Yankees had to figure out how to show him that they wanted him besides just giving him money. And it seemed like that was really important. And Hal conveyed that like Hal was basically Mariano Rivera in the steel key. Yeah. Hell yeah. And I love that. uh, Bob Lorenz asked Aaron Boone about it because Boone was explaining to him that, Hey, it was an awkward day. And, you know, even at dinner that night, I'm like, should I call him? And they're like, yeah, call him. Uh, Bob Loren said to Boone, oh, so you got the hold and Hal Steinbrenner got the save? And Boone said, no, 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 no. Hal, Hal pitched a complete game shutout on this one. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was great. I enjoyed yeah. it. And, uh, you know, Aaron Judge went and did what he was supposed to do, right? You're a free agent. I, I was saying this last night on WFAN, so this is the second time hearing it for anyone that listened to me last night. and. Here's the pod. I'm like, take your visits. Yes. I regret not taking my five official visits that I had as a football recruit. I went to the first school that I saw. It was amazing. Of course, you're a high school kid. Any university is going to be great that like pulls out all the stops for you. So I signed with the first place 
that I saw and I didn't even give the other schools a chance. Go see what else is out there. It's going to help you. It's it's necessary. And Judd said that they needed to go through this to see what other people were talking. But ultimately, they came back to the Yankees. And I've also been on record yelling at Cashman a little bit because I feel like Cashman gave him too much freedom as a free agent. No, he's your guy. And how Steinbrenner yesterday said, you know, in my opinion, he was only a Yankee. Yeah, he was a free agent, but he was a Yankee. Like he'd never played for another team. He's our guy. I have a relationship with him. I've had a relationship with him. You can call him. And he said he didn't care what time it was. And you got to thank Hal Steinbrenner for seeing it through and getting it done and stepping in the way he did. If, if the Yankees lose Judge this past offseason, like, it's a different vibe this whole month. They'd be lost, They'd be lost without him. I, I think I think Brian Cashman has to respect the player too. And and you know, this whole idea of lock him in a room and don't let him leave. Like that's just not how it works. But uh, but you're right. We've talked about how the Yankees offseason, no matter who they signed or what they did, would not be a success if they didn't bring Judge back. And you know, Aaron Boone's little story yesterday about like saying, what was it like? What would it what did it feel like? Imagine that you lost your phone, your keys, your wallet, everything, and then somebody brought it back to you the next day. Say, here, are you looking for this? Like that was the feeling. <laughs> but that to me illustrated what we've been talking about. The Yankees would be lost without Aaron Judge. Uh, there is no better version of the Yankees in 2023 unless Judge is a part of it. Yeah, Boone was patting his legs, tapping his <laughs> pockets. Where are where's, they? where's my captain? Where's my MVP? <laughs> Judge, I mean, think about what Judge means to Boone. I tweeted out yesterday, Aaron Judge is an Aaron Boone guy. So for all you people that love Judge but kill Boone, yeah. Like he, they, they, you saw it. You saw how excited Aaron Boone was, relieved. Uh, the word that people used was giddy. Like Aaron Boone was giddy. Yeah, you, you'd be giddy too if you're announcing Aaron Judge is on the team for the rest of your contract. You get to write him into the lineup every day. I enjoyed it. Obviously, I'm a, a big Yankees fan. How could I not enjoy that? And uh, it was great to see everybody together and how they were interacting and celebrating the day. Another historic day. We got to see him like actually sign. Um, I thought they did a good job with the presentation of everything. It, it was well done. Yeah, and, and uh, I got I saw saw Willie Randolph before the event started. Uh, you know, I think we're going to have him on here sometime in the next month or so, depending on his schedule. Um, but it was great to see him. You know, the lineage of captains, and you know, it's different here, right? So, uh, you know, Jeter was there obviously, and and you know, uh, you know, I, I think you're seeing him kind of make peace with the organization a little bit after his uh, his time with the Marlins and that's over. So, yeah, you know, I don't know if there are many more ceremonies to have here uh, in the next couple of years, but at least you know that he's he's good for things like this. Um, and, and we'll see what else happens. But the other part of that uh, story, Keith, is that, um, you know, the Carlos Correa news happening early in the morning kind of took a lot of thunder away from this. And some of the guys were asked about it um, too. But the question I have for you is, are are you starting to have, are you going to have any Carlos Correa regrets because of the way the last two off seasons went and neither one of them is finishing with him as a Yankee? <laughs> uh, I, I love that I'm on record as a Carlos Correa, Correa hater for years. Like, this goes back to like 2015, 16, 17. I, I never was about him. I'm not one of those Yankees fans that fell in love with this guy after he killed us. He's a villain to me. He's a cheater to me. He's a bozo to me. So like the last two off seasons, 
I'm watching Yankees fans like, we need Carlos Correa. Come on, get Carlos Correa. I'm like, uh, he's never going to come here. He's never going to play here. And when you look at this last development, right, I was expecting to wake up yesterday morning and celebrate Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge, I thought that'd be the topic of the day. No, sir. Steve Cohen steals some of the thunder and uh, well played by the Mets, well played by their owner. Like the guy was available all of a sudden. We thought he was going to the San Francisco Giants. Um, <laughs> Giants fans hate New York right now. Yeah. They, they had Judge. Been, they right? thought they had Correa. They're both going back. Oh, well, Judge back to the Yankees and uh, Correa to the other side of New York. Good for Good for them. But yeah, definitely casted a, a little bit of a cloud over the Yankees universe. Like, yeah, you guys are you guys are celebrating something that y'all pretty much knew was going to happen as Judge was having his historic season. Everybody had already talked about. We were talking about giving Judge the captain last year before his 62 home run. So we knew it was going to happen. But uh, everybody in the baseball world was shaken up by, hey, Carlos Correa's medicals didn't go the way we thought. He didn't get cleared. Boris is calling up Steve Cohen in Hawaii, similar to like Hal being in Italy and talking to Judge. Next thing you know, this guy's a Met. He's going to be pulling the A-Rod move, changing position. And uh, I can't wait to see it, honestly. I can't wait till we play them because all this, uh, you know, these paper champions, all this winter meetings, uh, World Series rings, like it's cool and all, but people forget. You can't, you can't predict baseball. That's baseball, Susan. Like we got a long way to go. I mentioned this yesterday on SNY. I said, like, let's just remember, okay, the, the true baseball presents are given in October, not December, right? This is this is great, but you don't throw parades for winning the winter. And uh, we've done this with the Yankees too, you know, um, you know, and they followed up in the after the 08 with Sabathia, Burnett, and Teixeira and uh, trading for Swisher and and bringing that team. And that that team fulfilled the December promise the following fall, right? Um, the 13 Yankees, 13, 14 Yankees did not after signing Tanaka and McCann and Beltron and Ellsbury uh, and going to Jeter's last year, that team did not fulfill its promise. So, um, and we've seen so many of them. I think there was one year the, the, the White Sox won the winter, the Red Sox won the winter. And, you know, you, you look at these teams that sign a lot of players, this is what they should be doing. And, and I don't mean to, you know, I don't want to be negative about this. This team should be spending money. Team yeah, should be spending, players spending money. It's awesome. This is what the players deserve. This is the exact opposite of last winter in the lockout, right? But I think we have to be careful between equating this to saying, well, season's over. They won. You know, there's, this is why they play the games. <laughs> it's great. I, I started my show last night saying, I'm a baseball fan. I know a lot of people on WFAN are like, this kid is a Yankees homer, doesn't care about the Mets. I, I have to remind people. I'm like, I'm on MOB Network, too. And on there, I can't just be a Yankees homer. We talk about the entire league. And I show love to the city. This is great for the city. This is great for WFAN. And this is great for baseball. When people see the numbers that Steve Cohen has already put out there, $1.6 billion in the last three off-seasons, it is a huge sports story, a new owner coming in that's a fan of the team. I said, this is fantasy, right? What would you do if you had all the money in the world? What would you do if you could own your favorite team? You'd buy the best players you could buy so that you could increase the probability that they succeed. And I know fans like to react, and, and I sarcastically reacted to it too. Money back Co. and the Make It Happen Mets, your 2023 World Series champs. 
how many times have we seen that go wrong? Like, and that makes it more fun to watch. <laughs> I also said I've been to Dodger Stadium and Wrigley Field more than City Field. I don't go over there. I don't go there. I'm a Yankees fan. I'm in the Bronx. But this year, I have to watch them. I never watched the Mets. Being on yeah. WFAN, they're like, oh, this guy has to talk about the Mets. I'm like, yeah, I am. So mm-hmm. I'm watching the Mets, and these are my Mets now. Good. They're an all-star team. Instead of those bums they used to have, like, I don't know, <laughs> Lucas Duda or Wilmer Flores or something like I'm cool watching these guys. I'll go watch Verlander and Scherzer pitch with Lindor and uh, Correa on the left side and Marte running around in the outfield and the batting champ at second base and the home run derby king at first. Like, sure, let's go to Queens and uh, watch the best baseball team in the world. Can they do it? Maybe, maybe not. But historically, the Mets are always going to Met. So is Steve Cohen so powerful he can stop the baseball gods? Who knows? We'll find out next time on Baseball Z. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, they are uh, they're definitely grabbing headlines right now, and that's great because it means that the start of the season is going to be exciting to watch. I think both teams – you know, listen, we want to envision a Subway Series at one point, right? In our lifetimes, it's happened once. And it's not very often – that the Yankees and Mets are contending at the same time. This past year was one of the one of the few times, a handful of times, where you can sit there and say, I wonder if it's possible. And it hasn't happened a lot since 2000. So I think we're in this window now. Because remember, back then it was 98, 99, 2000. The Yankees were winning. The Mets were building. They were contending. They were in the playoffs two of those three years. We're in that same kind of window now where you can kind of see that a subway series is possible, and maybe the rest of the country doesn't want to see it. Uh, they definitely didn't want to see it in 2000. It was, one of the, it was the lowest rated World Series in history, uh, a pro- also because it was only five games, I think it was part of it. But I think for all of us here, you know, we would love to see those games count, count for the big thing. And maybe with big stars on both teams, maybe maybe the country will pay attention also. Yeah, I got this uh, Jeter magazine blown up. I got to go get the new GQ. The new GQ's got Rizzo, oh, Judge, yeah. Stanton on it, and it says the year baseball came back to New York. Well, the Bleacher Creatures, oh. shout out to Jeezy and the Bleacher Creatures. We have shirts that say, we never left. They, <laughs> they think baseball left New York. We've been in the Bleachers in 203 for years. We never left. We're waiting on the next championship. And if it comes via World Series, so be it. But I feel like in New York last year, we touched the money. Uh, Steve Cohen's got the type of money everybody loves to touch. And everybody talked Subway Series, Subway Series. And how did the Mets get bounced? They didn't even win their division. They got bounced in the wild card in dramatic fashion. Joe Musgrove wasn't cheating. The fans are chanting, cheater, cheater. Buck Showalter's going out there with the theatrics. That's Metsy. That was exactly how the Mets were going to (laughs) collapse. They didn't even make it to the DS. And the Yankees... I know they didn't make it much further, but they did advance twice further. (laughs) They didn't get to the World Series, but they got a bye. And they did win the division. And then they were able to get out of DS. And we're able, like, Sweeney, this new postseason format, man, nothing is guaranteed now. We've talked about it on the pod, right? What'd you call it? Fall frenzy? Fall frenzy, man. I don't care if you win 111 games like the Dodgers. Nothing is guaranteed. So, man, let the games begin. Get me to baseball. Skip all this stuff. Skip Christmas and New Year's and Valentine's Day. 
and March Madness. Let's get right to opening day. Yeah, because listen, it's not about it's not about what your team looks like. The Yankees are perfect examples. It's not about what your team looks like in December, January, February. It's what your team looks like on October first. And the Yankees team did not look the same on October first. And I know people call them excuses, but injuries are reasons. They aren't excuses. Okay, if you have players who aren't playing, that's a reason. Okay, if the guy's good enough to play and He's he stinks because of it. Okay, maybe the injury is an excuse because you're putting yourself out there, and if you're out there, you are expected to perform. But when you're not there, when you are not part of the team, and that's what the Mets, you know, that's what everybody is going to have to deal with. When you get to October, all your bodies healthy? Are they all ready to go? And that's what everybody deals with when you get to October and when you're trying to go through multiple rounds. And baseball is different, man. You can't you can't put a football team in there that with you know, with six wins and expect them to beat a 14 win team in the playoffs, not going to happen. But if you get an 85 win team facing off against a 105 win team, man, two out of three, three out of five, yeah. it's all possible. And very with superstar players everywhere. There's superstars on all of the teams that get in. And all it takes is a couple individual efforts for the team to rise, rise. Like we, we talked about it. Three run home runs, win ball games. One of these guys is going to hit a three run bomb and be the difference in the game. And that could happen for any team. And for the Yankees, Yankee source, shout out to my guy who runs Yankee source. He put out this lineup that the Yankees actually have like, they had this around October 1st. I think this was actually Derek Jeter night because it was Tampa versus the Yankees. Judge leading off playing center field. Come on. Keep him in right field. Glaber Torres batting second. What is going on? Wait. Aaron Hicks in left field batting third. Stop it. Connor Falefa is cleaning up. We had Connor Falefa playing third base and cleaning up. Night. <laughs> Miguel and Duhar DHing. I think it was in that series. If it yeah. wasn't Jeter night, it was somewhere mm-hmm. in that series. Miguel yeah. and Duhar at DH batting fifth. Cabrera in right field batting sixth. Peraza playing shortstop batting seventh. Higashioka catching eighth. Marwin Gonzalez at first base. Like, come on. That was that was an actual lineup that the Yankees were rolling out in late September, early October this no year. No Rizzo, no LeMayhew. I mean, this it's a huge part of it, man. It just really is. And we'll see if they can get past that. I, I, I think and, – and left field is now going to be kind of part of the discussion the rest of the winter because uh, it doesn't really seem like there's a great option out there. Uh, we talked a little bit about Michael Conforto. It doesn't seem like the Yankees are really in on him. And um, it feels like it might just be, let's see what, you know, Brandon Drury was a guy I thought they might go after because that much, how much they liked him before, you know, he's with the angels signed a pretty reasonable deal too. I feel like this might be okay. Oswaldo Cabrera, Aaron Hicks, and you know, maybe something else turns up. I'm not going for it, Sweeney. Cashman was talking that talk yesterday. He's like, yeah, Aaron Hicks rehabbed his knee. He's going to be ready to go. And uh, Josh Donaldson is definitely our third baseman. Stop it, Cash. We're not going for it. There's too much time. Both of them aren't true. Like, one of them might might be true. I have a hard time believing that both of them are going to be true. Donaldson, I understand. I I knew that. We signed up for that. Nobody's going to take on his contract. And you just hope that he has a good offseason and he's a little bit better. And if he's not, by the time we get to the trade deadline, he won't be there. But I know Cashman has to say these things. What they say and what they do is two different things. They told you the, 
the first day of spring training last year that Gio Urshela was a starting shortstop. Then they proceeded to trade him not long after. And Ryan did confirm it it was Jeter Knight. Frankie Montas was the pitcher. And you've heard me reference Frankie Montas having to take the ball from Jeter on Jeter Knight and pitch in front of that crowd. And I'm like, that guy wasn't ready for that. It was, uh, and he's one of the questions uh, about this rotation we'll see going forward. Uh, you mentioned, listen, I just do want to give a quick shout out because uh, you mentioned three run homers win ball games, right? That's what I say. And Roto wear made a nice shirt about it for me a few years ago. And um, I, and we helped tie it into a charity. They've just done something else for a charity that I want to give a little prop to. This is the latest. It says baseball is the best and you see in highlights in white and ALS. This is in reference to Sarah Langs from uh, ESPN, MLB Network, and all the other things. MLB.com now. If you formerly why she's, uh, she's on everywhere. Yes. So Sarah uh, announced a short while ago that she has been diagnosed with ALS and is battling that. And so these shirts were made to help raise money for her and for Project ALS. And that is why um, I'm wearing this today. And want to give you can get yours to support Project ALS. You can get it at Rotoware, and uh, and they pr- uh, put out some some fine stuff. So thanks to them for uh, for joining in the cause uh, to help uh, help the fight against ALS. You're listening to BXB. It's the Bronx Baseball Podcast from Odyssey and WFAN, along with Keith McPherson. I'm Sweeney Murdy, and we are. Let's see. What am I? What do I need to do? I'm sorry, Ryan. I'm getting inside baseball. I need you to adjust your camera settings. Flash is oh, uh, okay. I'm sorry. Flash is um, making his entrance and he's got to adjust. So that's not me. Okay. So we will, I hope he can see that. We've got John Flaherty on deck in the on deck circle and uh, he's going to join us here in just a second. Uh, and what we do, you know, John Flaherty, obviously from Yes Network, uh, we'll get into thing, everything, uh, Judge and the Yankees with him. Um, so I, I guess the thing is, the question I had for you about that, Keith, is if you were going to say, if I say you can eat. 30 million. That's it. Okay. Is it going to be Donaldson or is it going to be Hicks? Which one do you choose? If I'm telling you, you can, you can lose can one. Can I get 31, 21 million and 10 million together? I'm going to let you lose one. Which one? And I, and the feeling, I, like, I think Hicks is actually more versatile and valuable. To I was about to say Donaldson. Get, I said the, the way to win the off season was to strap Donaldson to a rocket and send him to the moon. I don't care if Hicks is the fourth outfielder, right? Because he's a switch hitter. He has played everywhere in Yankee Stadium. Who knows what next year is going to hold for him? He had a, a rough 2022, but I was saying that last night. Everyone assumes that these guys are going to be the exact replicas of what they last showed us. That never happens. Like, literally, guys never have identical seasons. Yeah. And, like, Aaron Hicks might have had some trouble last year, but maybe he's healthier this year. Maybe he's mentally on a different level this year, 10 million, I can handle. That's what he makes a year. Fourth outfielder, perfectly fine by me. But Josh Donaldson being the starting third baseman and going up there, striking out, staring at pitches down the middle, and then when he gets a hold of one, he's hot-dogging it. He thinks it's going out, but it's actually a double. I can't do that anymore. I'd rather not do that. Yeah, and I think uh, think the problem is that what you're seeing is the trade market just isn't there. Um, for these guys. Not. You got to give to get <laughs> how much money these guys are is attached to them and how, you know, really what the, like, like nobody's out there trying to do the Yankees a favor. Not right? at all. Not so, at all. I remember hearing this great thing uh, a few years ago 
with uh, this is several years ago when Michael Jordan was um, was running the the Charlotte team, right? They said he was trying to get rid of bad contracts and do this and like. Jordan killed every team for years, and now he needs other teams' help to get out from under his problems. Nobody's eager to help him do that. And it's the same thing with the Yankees. So, you know, I feel like that's the same thing that they're battling is that, you know, besides the idea of we don't want to help you get better, there's nothing, there's no incentive for them to take. Josh Donaldson off of last year. There's no incentive for them to take Aaron Hicks off of last year. You're looking for the team that, you know, maybe has an injury problem and needs a body to fill and is somehow going to figure out and work with the Yankees on it. So I think that's kind of what we're dealing with. And uh, let's welcome in now as we uh, uh, work with, uh, well, no, sorry, we just lost them. We'll get back to that in a second. We're flying by the seat of our pants here, Keith, and uh, this is what we do. But I think that's kind of what the Yankees are dealing with is that, you know, listen, nobody's eager to help them do it. And it's not attractive to another team right now. You have to help them make it attractive. And I don't know if the Yankees are willing to do that by attaching a good prospect to Donaldson or Hicks at this point. No, and, and uh, fans forget that. Hey, welcome in. Good morning. It's Good never morning. easy. It's never Good morning, easy. John Flaherty. From well, the you West. didn't let it beat you. It's never easy, but you won. <laughs> Keith, I, I grinded for a long time. I'm not going to let technology beat me this morning, buddy. Hey, don't, don't let him fool you, Keith. I talked about this all the time, man. You bat 252 in the big leagues for as long as John Flaherty played. <laughs> and I will, I will salute that all the time. That's why you and I are tight, home team. I appreciate it. That's right. That. John Flaherty, one of the best in the business. Hey, am I correct? You are now, is this going to be, are you now going to be doing uh, broadcasting longer than you played in the big leagues? Oh, yeah, by a long time. If uh, if I broadcast next year, it'll be my 18th season, uh, and I played 14 in the big leagues. So oh, uh, wow. it's been it's been quite a run. I've been tricking them for a long time, guys, a long time. <laughs> it's fantastic. Listen, I knew, yes was all over the, uh, the Judge Press Conference yesterday, and uh, your colleagues covered it top to bottom. Um, listen, just, I think we all knew that if he signed back here, he was going to be named captain and it kind of happened. That was kind of the part of the show. Did you have any thoughts? You were there when Jeter was named captain. You were on the team in 2003 when it happened in the middle of the season. Um, is there anything different about having, you know, having the, the title for, for a guy, for a guy who's in the locker room, for a guy who's in the clubhouse, is there anything different about having the title attached to him? No, I don't think so, Sweeney. Uh, in 2003, I remember we were in Cincinnati and they had a big announcement that Derek was going to be the captain. And we all looked around and just said, what do you mean? He already is. I mean, he didn't have the title, but the way he went about his business, the way he was leading us out on the field, we all felt it and knew it anyway. So, uh, you know, I think this is inevitable. You know, when he was going to come back, this was going to happen. And I'm sure everybody in that clubhouse felt this for years already. He just didn't have the official title. So, um it was nice to hear him talk about how much it meant to him yesterday being the captain and maybe a few more responsibilities. I don't think they're really going to be that many more, but uh, he'll just go be an Aaron judge, which, uh, you know, for a long time, it's been perfect. This guy handles everything perfectly out on the field, handles the media the right way. He handled free agency like uh, nobody else I've ever seen. He'll handle the captaincy uh, the same way. So how much do you guys either learn or or get told or or know with like the hot stove shows and yes is coverage and uh, I mean you guys do a great job not just you know hot stove but you know yesterday with the press conference like 
for Yankees fans, it's the go-to. You're a big part of it. Um, so I guess it's a two-part question. How much did you know about like where Judge was going, where he wasn't going, um, moves that were going to be made, like some inside baseball? And, uh, you know, tell us about, you know, what goes into doing a hot stove show or preparing to talk about the offseason. Yeah, to be quite honest with you, uh, you know, with the Aaron Judge situation, we didn't know a whole lot. Uh, you know, we, we were scrambling up in Stanford, Connecticut in the studio when John Heyman sent that tweet out, you know, and everybody was kind of like trying to gather information. I'll give Jack Curry, my colleague, all the props in the world. I mean, he, he's got the pipeline to the to all the Yankee news. So there are some times that he might get a heads up that something's coming. But with the Aaron Judge situation, everybody was in the dark trying to figure this out. So uh, the hot stove shows are, are interesting for me because, you know, I feel like I'm at my best when I can watch a game and break it down. You know, somebody's pitching mechanics or a hitter at the plate or maybe some game situations, the off season speculation that, that that's not in my wheelhouse. That's Jack Perry uh, does a great job with that Meredith getting interviews. So the hot stove shows are interesting, but uh, you know, when the Aaron judge news broke and then the Rodon news broke uh, you know, the, that makes those hot stove shows for us. So uh, it's been a fun off season to cover so far. John, you mentioned that, you know, judge handled free agency like nobody you've ever seen. What, what do you mean by that? What, is, what about how he went about it surprised you or impressed you? Well, first of all, there, there was no information that was leaking from anywhere. You know, his, his agent, Paige Odell, which I, you probably know, Sweeney, you know these agents better than anybody. I, I've never heard of the guys, never had a big-time client. So you kind of wondered how he would handle this coming into uh, free agency. I thought they both did a great job. Uh, you know, one of the things I miss about being a player, the, the flights from city to city, and we would play cards on those flights, right? We would play poker. And I remember thinking, there's no way I'd want to sit down at a poker table with Aaron Judge because this guy had everybody guessing. Uh, the news coming out of San Francisco, the video from the lobby in San Francisco, uh, there were no leaks from teammates. Teammates weren't saying anything, friends. So it was handled brilliantly because – the Yankees had no idea <laughs> what was going to happen. Uh, he was keeping everybody in the dark. And at the end of the day, he got his ninth year. He got the money that he wanted. And he got to come back to, uh, to the Yankees, which is where he wanted to be. So he played it brilliantly. He didn't say anything. He didn't tip his hand. And again, I don't want to play poker with him on a charter flight, for sure. <laughs> okay, let's switch a little bit. I know the focus is judge, but Carlos Rodon, uh, you're a catcher. You're a pitching guy. I think you're going to be pumped up to watch this guy. How familiar are you with his stuff and what he brings to the table? And uh, how excited are you to see this lefty bulldog pitch in the Bronx? Yeah, I haven't seen him a whole lot, Keith. You know, the, the Yes Network research crew with Jeff Quagliata, they do a great job of sending us videos, sending us breakdowns of his stuff. Um, and you look at the breakdown, it's fastball slider, and, and he he's an attacking left-handed pitcher, which – uh, from the old catcher in me, you love that. You know, you're, you're like, okay, let's go. Let's get this guy on track. <clears throat> Excuse me, get him working fast and have him attacking the strike zone. And then you watch some of the video and some of the highlights and you see the energy. Uh, you see the, uh, you know, showing some emotion out on the mound. And David Cohn says this all the time. Rodon wanted to come here. That's a big part of this. This isn't a, a trade and you don't know what personality you have. He sought this out. He wants to be in New York. Uh, I think it fills out the rotation perfectly. I love his stuff, but 
but I, I think I love his attitude even more. So he's going to be a fun guy to watch. You know, I, I've heard some people talking about like uh, trying to rank this rotation now. And listen, obviously with Garrett Cole and Carlos Rodon at the top, I mean, it's really good, but I'm still a little, I don't know. I, I'm a little nervous about the, the back half of the rotation a little bit. I'll tell you why. One, Frankie Montas, we we didn't see his best. And we don't know how he's going to bounce back. Luis Severino's durability has been questioned. We hope he's kind of through that. But Nestor Cortez is kind of a weird one for me, John, because um, he threw just under 160 innings last year. He seemed to wear down a little bit physically at the end of the season. <clears throat> Trying to ask him to repeat that or better that, uh, improve on that. I think it might be a tall order given what his history has been. I'm not saying he's not good, but you know, he, everything went right for him last year up until the end. And I think just trying to repeat that again, it, it's not always easy to do. No, they're all, they're all valid concerns, Sweeney. And, you know, I think anytime you look at a rotation coming in the spring training, you know, you're, you're thinking, okay, their track record, uh, you know, this is going to be one of the best rotations in baseball never works out that way, right? I mean, you're always going to have to deal with injuries. You're always going to have to deal uh, with some guys who got to take care of something, get back on track mechanically. Um, you know, Montas at, at the back end, listen, he, he was a much better pitcher in Oakland. Yeah. And Sweeney, you would probably know this better than me. He seemed like New York wasn't a factor. It just yeah, he had a bad he arm. Yeah, not by anything. No, I mean, right. I, I think he enjoyed it. I mean, think physically there was a concern and yeah. that probably led to some things. Yeah. So, you know, I, I look for him to rebound, you know, coming to spring training, getting that full year. Uh, Nestor is an interesting one, right? I mean, you're right. He did, he did kind of leak some oil coming down the stretch physically, but you know, this guy right now is your number four is what you'd have to pencil him in. And boy, I'll take him as a number four, uh, you know, a, a guy who I think from a catching perspective, he just finds a way to figure it out. Right. I mean, even when he's not locked in, there's a little moxie there that he's going to be able to give you five, six innings. So um, Severino's the big one right in the middle. If he can stay healthy, uh, he, he's got such a dynamic arm and, and it's an, it's an all out mentality. It's an all out delivery. Um, is that going to be able to stay healthy all the way? And most important, is it going to be able to be ready to go in October? I mean, we need to talk about this rotation at the end of September, not at the beginning of March when we get to spring training. I'm really excited to see this bullpen. I was talking about it last night on the fan. Uh, someone called up and they're like, the Yankees got to improve this bullpen. And I'm like, wait a second. Um, they, they're they probably all right. They they brought yeah. back Tommy Canely. Let's start there. You, you're familiar with Tommy Canely. It's been a couple years. He went out to the Dodgers. He's coming back. They spoke about him in uh, the Aaron Judge press conference and asked Judge about him. He's another guy, a character guy, an energy guy that's going to be great for the clubhouse. And we hope that he's got some of the same stuff that we saw in 2017. Well, I'll tell you what, Keith, what we saw last year with the Dodgers, he's got the stuff back, right? He's, he's all the way back from Tommy John. And the biggest thing for me, been there, done that. He, he's been in New York. He's pitched in high leverage situations. Um, so, you know, as much as you can in this game, you know what you're getting from Tommy. Uh, when he comes over. But I'm with you. I look at this bullpen, and when you have to designate Lucas Litke for assignment, you know, a guy who I I always laugh. I Listen, I know what Lucas Litke is, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, he, mm -hmm. he's been a very good pitcher for a couple of years, and he's been that guy that's overlooked. He's forgotten. He's taken for granted. You're, you're not going to miss him, but he's going to go somewhere and have a good year, right? And, and I hope he does. He, he resurrected his career. So I think, Keith, to your point, 
this bullpen is in really good shape. You know, you got Marinaccio to look forward to coming back from that shin injury. Uh, you got Loisica, who started off terribly, and he rebounded to be as good as anybody. Clay Holmes hopefully gets through those shoulder issues. So there are so many things to like. There are guys that you're losing that are going to hurt. Um, but, you know, Michael King coming back, is he going to be healthy? I'm with you, Keith. Uh, the bullpen every year for me, every spring is one of those, how's it going to work? Who, who's going to be that guy, Sweeney, in spring training? We always find one that comes out of nowhere, and all of a sudden he's throwing 97, and he makes a team, and you weren't even planning on him. So the bullpen's going to be fine. Yeah, and, and they'll, they usually have more to pick from, so I think yeah. that's a pretty good spot. I, I do worry about some of the guys coming back from injury. King probably be a little bit behind and maybe a little slow starter, but he was so dynamic. You just hope he can recapture that. Um, John, I'm curious your thoughts on – we asked Jose Trevino this when we had him on last week, and I, I thought I'd get a certain answer from him as a catcher, and I didn't. So since you're a catcher, I will ask you and see what your answer is. Um, three big rule changes coming next year. Okay, pitch clock, the uh, the bigger bases and the pickoff situations with that that hopefully lead to more stolen base attempts, I think, and the shift restriction. Um, what's the biggest impact on the game? Which one of those has a has a has a bigger effect? Well, the catcher in me right away says pitch clock. Right, I love it. Yeah. I love it. Get on the mound, throw the ball. Let's get ready to go. And there, there's going to be some responsibilities for the catchers to. Um, be thinking a little quicker, right? When that pitch is delivered, that swing is fouled off or swung and missed, whatever it is, it, it's, it's instant. You got to be ready to go to deliver a signal uh, to get your pitcher out on the mound, to give him a little time to, to get ready to go. So I love that part of it. Uh, the bases, which are bigger, hopefully going to create more, more of the running game, which I would have enjoyed. That was a, a strength of mine that, that has kind of gone away, you know, really in the last, what, five, six, seven years, came back a little bit last year, but uh, looking forward to that. And then the throwing over to first base is one that I'm really interested in because as a catcher, that would be a time or a situation for me. It's almost like a timeout in basketball, yeah. mm -hmm. you know, throw over to first base because I'm not quite sure what I want to call here. I got to kind of slow the game down, figure out the situation uh, maybe I want to see if this guy is going to square around a bunt. You don't see that much anymore, but back in my day, you did. Um, so that was kind of a situation. Let me regroup, take a, take a timeout, and have my pitcher throw over, and you're not going to be able to do that as much anymore with these new rule changes. Yeah, Jose, did, Keith, didn't Jose mention the shift more because he was talking about Rizzo and like more of his teammates and kind of what kind of an impact that would have? Yeah, we're just expecting some of these guys to have a little bit more success at the plate, maybe some better numbers with the change in the shift. Cause I mean, Rizzo's a guy that we've seen him hit right to the man standing in yeah. between. So, uh, I mean, I hope that happens. Um, what was I going to ask? Oh, so, you know, speaking of Rizzo and obviously judge and Cole and Stanton and DJ and Josh Donaldson, there's a, a lot of guys that are over 30 that are supposed to be in their prime of their career or the end of their career. But I think the Yankees have, a good combination right now bringing the young guys up. Let's talk about Oswaldo Cabrera and Oswald Peraza and maybe even Anthony Volpe at some point yeah. this season. You've got to see these young guys. We all got a, a, a closer look in September, October at, at the um, combination of Oswald, Oswald Peraza and Oswaldo Cabrera. I'm hoping to see Volpe, and I think it can be this special mix of like young energy and then just the, the veteran experience. Uh, where do you expect to see Cabrera, Peraza, and maybe even Volpe next year? 
Well, I think Peraza, you have to start with him. And Keith, I think the biggest takeaway that I took away from last year wasn't what he did out on the field because he looked he looked excellent. You know, as a teammate, you're paying more attention to how a rookie handles himself in the clubhouse, how he handles the media, how he carries, how, how does he go about his business? Does, does he get there early, get his work done so the veterans can come in behind him and, and the rookie's not in the way? And everything we heard about Peraza, he went about his business as perfectly as you could as a young player. Cabrera the same way. You know, you, you talk about an older team and mixing in some young players. I look at Cabrera as going to be so valuable moving all over the field, giving some of those older players a day off a week, maybe, so that they're going to stay healthier, uh, you know, through the six-month season. So Volpe's, Volpe's that guy that, you know, if you look at his numbers, you say he probably needs some more time in AAA uh, maybe struck out a little bit too much with his hundred at bats at the AAA level, but you know that the talent's exciting. So, I think to answer your question, Yankees are in a perfect situation from a veteran standpoint. You're ready to win a World Series, or you have a team that you think can win a World Series, but you also have some young talent that you're still developing. And I think the most important part is you're putting those young players in a situation where they can succeed. Um, back in the day, you know, and Sweeney, you remember this when I came up, I mean, rookies were told, sit in the corner, don't say a word. We don't want to see you. We don't want to deal with you. Like, you know, you're, you're an outcast on this team basically. And you had to earn the respect of the veteran players with guys like judge with guys like Rizzo. They, they welcome young players. Now they, they make it an inclusive environment. So you're seeing kids get to the big leagues. They're ready to go. You know, there, there's no restrictions. They can let their talent shine. So a perfect situation all the way around uh, out on the field. But I think more importantly in the clubhouse, it's funny. I, I, I remember Jeter telling me that once, like how, like even him, like a guy of his, you know, high draft pick and yeah. you know, high status, even he as a rookie was one of the guys that said, listen, I'm just going to sit in the corner and keep my mouth shut because you know, that's what you're supposed to do. But, but you're right. I think it started with CC Sabathia because these guys, they wanted to let these guys know that you're here to help us. You know, yeah. we don't want to beat you down because you're good enough to help us win. Why do we want to go through the hazing mm-hmm. and all that stuff and put you through all those things? Uh, I get, I've got one last one for you though. And it's kind of along these lines, John, you know, you when you play you saw a number of kids come up and there's a there's a lot that goes into coming up and succeeding early uh at the big league level what's how are the Yankees going to be able to you know can Peraza be eased in at starting shortstop for the Yankees if that's the job he wins when you consider there's other veteran talent around him but you know, he's going to be playing. He's still young. He's 21 years old. He's really hasn't spent a lot of time playing in cold weather, struggled with it at AAA last year. If he gets the job uh, to start the year as the Yankees starting shortstop, is there going to be a lot of pressure? Can he ease into it? Can he go through hitting 220 for the first month? If the Yankees are winning, if the Yankees are struggling, you know, how do you as a teammate handle a guy like that? Well, you know, listen, yes, you can you can deal with him hitting 220 for a month and a half. I mean, you've got a team around him that if you're looking at Peraza to be carrying your club offensively, then obviously there's a problem. So yeah. th- this is the conversation you hear it all the time. Go play shortstop. Go make the play, the routine play, and we'll figure out the rest, right? You take the pressure off of a young kid. When you have all that talent around him, you don't need him to hit 280 and, and carry your club offensively. With all that being said, this kid played in the playoffs last year. 
which guys, I, I was a veteran player who played in the playoffs after like six, seven years. And that's a big deal, right? Yeah. So he, he kind of got that out of the way. Now you think about it, he goes home, he's getting ready for spring training. Boy, is there a confidence that you, you take from your experiences last year. Now that's not being said, he's going to go out there and light it up, but you have something to grab onto, right? I was successful last year. I played in the postseason. Um, I think it's a good problem to have Sweeney. And, and it's one of those things. Yeah. If you're two months into the year and he's really struggling and you could tell he's beating himself up a little bit, then maybe you got to make an adjustment. But I, I don't, I don't see that happening with this kid. All right. Last question from me. Uh, Yankees fans saw when, you know, the winter meetings were happening and the hot stove was heating up that the Yankees were working on something big, something big is coming. <laughs> And I told people that's anyone can say that the Yankees name, they're going to attach that to anything. But I mean, across town, Steve Cohen has something big in the works. Seems every couple of days we haven't asked you, but the Carlos Correa news broke last night or two nights ago. Now uh, there's a lot of talk back and forth. There's like this winter rivalry for some reason. Um, what'd you think about the Carlos Correa news? He's someone that Yankees fans wanted. And uh, what do you think about Steve Cohen and what he's doing to baseball? Well, we, we kind of saw this coming, right? And, and you know, the first thing I thought of was the Correa news, <clears throat> excuse me, breaks on the day that Aaron Judge is being re-signed or has a big press conference. So, uh, I, you know, there, there's always been talk from my days as a player about, you know, taking the back page, right? The newspapers aren't that big of a deal anymore. But, you know, you want to be the team that, that is getting all the attention in town. And listen, the Mets and and their ownership, they're, they're spending a lot of money. They're, they're building a, a great team over there. So from the Yankee perspective, game on. Let's go. Like, they'll, they'll find a way uh, to make their additions. And I don't think they're going to be distracted or, or pressured into doing something they don't want to do because the Mets are spending money. I always say it's great for baseball when the Yankees are good, the Red Sox are good. And I think if you talk about baseball in the city and Keith, your show – uh, every night on FAN, this is going to be a great year for you, right? You get to talk about the Mets and the Yankees and the, you know, when there's a rivalry in the subway series, but it's great for New York baseball. So uh, a lot of pressure on my boy, Buck Showalter. He's got a team that he's got to go out there and yeah. get it done. So uh, it'll be fun to watch to see how they handle with that, with the bullseye on their back. Hot stove continues all off season on the yes network. You can catch John Flaherty along with colleagues, uh, Bob Lorenz, Jack Curry, uh, Meredith Morakovitz, Michael Kay is on there as well. And uh, you guys will have it covered top to bottom as the Yankees push forward to spring training. Anything else in your agenda? You got more triathlon training? Is that the, <laughs> you got the rest of the winter here? Now, the triathlon training went away a couple of years ago. Sweeney, the uh, the old beat-up catcher's got to stay away from the running and all that. But uh, no, just getting ready for the holidays and then maybe get away for a nice little break. So uh, looking forward to spending it with the family and Hope you guys have a great Christmas and the holidays, and we look forward to uh, spring training right around the corner after that. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks for giving us a few minutes here. Tell your brothers I said hi, and Merry Christmas to everybody, and uh, uh, hopefully we'll, uh, we'll catch up at a uh, at an est local establishment uh, to be named later. You see how I just smile? I would love to do that, Sweeney. You're the man. <laughs> thanks, see you guys. Thanks, Happy yeah. holidays. All right. John Flaherty joining us here on BXB. Uh, always one of the in more insightful players that I, you know, covered in three years as the Yankees backup catcher. And boy, he was, you knew then that he was either going to manage or broadcast 
And, you know, luckily for us, it was broadcasting because he's very good at it. And you can tell just the insights he gave us here. So it was fantastic. Uh, great to have him on. And, you know, I, I think he gave you a good perspective on the young players. I was, you know, Peraza and Cabrera are going to fall into this, Keith, like you talked about. And they're going to go through some struggles, but it's going to be up to the rest of the guys to kind of pick them up and say, listen, it's OK. Just just play your game. It'll come to you. Yeah, I think they walk into spring training this year feeling a lot better than they did the year before about what they can do because they have been tested. They have gotten the experience. You know, I, I saw a lot of these young guys taking pictures at Fenway Park or taking pictures with Carlos Correa. Yeah. And, you know, they, they've gotten past that first step of like, I made it. I'm playing in the big ballparks. We're on TV. They got to play in the postseason. Um, Oswaldo Cabrera like had a big moment in the post. Like, so I'm hoping they walk into spring training with a little bit more swagger, a little more confidence that they do belong, that they have arrived, and we'll see it. I, I love that Flash said, you know, having Oswaldo Cabrera as an option to move around, not an everyday left fielder, because the Yankees rest guys. You may need him to play in right field if Judge is resting. You may need him to play first base if Rizzo is resting and DJ's not ready. Like he is supposed to be a guy that you can move around the diamond. And his value is in being a Swiss Army knife. So I'm, I'm excited to see him. I hope Peraza wins the job. And uh, I hope Volpe goes and crushes it where we can't leave him in AAA. They got to bring him up. And um, the, the combination of veterans and guys over 30 that have been in the league that have done it. Uh, now the Yankees have Judge as the captain. He's going to lead the way for these young guys. You, you got to be excited as a Yankees fan. This is a team ready to win a World Series with some young energy that should give it a little bit of an extra boost. For those of you listening, thank you for joining us these last few months of 2022. We will pick it up again in 2023. Unless there's some major news happening, we'll join you again after January 1st. We'll hit you with some New Year's resolutions, too. I had that on the list, but we'll pick that up uh, in the next show. Uh, thanks to John Flaherty for joining us. Thanks to our producer, Ryan Chichester. Keith, thank you. It's been a great end to 2022. Look forward to continuing it in this new season. And uh, thanks to everybody for listening to BXB from Odyssey from WFAN. Merry Christmas, happy holidays, and we will catch you very soon. Merry Christmas, everybody. Thanks for watching and listening.